Hello and welcome to the 15th episode of the PD Smash Podcast. Yeah, you heard me right. That is the 15th episode. We've been doing this for a long time now. And today, just like any other episode, I have a great one for you. First, we're going to talk about the rumors that Andrew Luck want to come back to the Indianapolis Colts and play football again. Then we're going to talk about Fred Van Vliet's historic night. Next, we're going to talk a little bit about Tom Brady and what he does to prepare for the Super Bowl. And then for our main segment, we're going to talk about the Washington Wizards and their puzzling predicament. And then finally, to round out the episode, we're going to talk about Super Bowl most likely twos. So, first off, let's talk about Andrew Luck. Now, this is interesting because if you remember last year, or it was, no, it was two years ago, Andrew Luck was like, I've fallen out of love with football. I don't want to do this anymore. There's, there's no way I can't do this anymore. I just can't. I'm out. And now, two years later, he's saying, I miss football. I want to be back with football. And that is according to some text messages that have been leaked. Now, is this 100% confirmed? No. Is this 100% going to happen? No. But if it does, it makes the entire league paradigm shift. Because that's one less place that needs a quarterback that was going to need to trade for a quarterback this year because if they get a quarterback they are title contenders like a a b plus a minus quarterback they are title contenders because that will be amazing for them because their defense amazing wide receiver core solid running back core great the special teams units pretty good they just need a good to great quarterback to put them over the edge. Scratch that. A very good to great quarterback to put them over the edge. And Andrew Luck provides that. So I think this would be great for the Indianapolis Colts. And it also, as I said before, kind of changed the landscape of everything because then it's like, wait, so Carson Wentz is not going to go to the the Indianapolis Colts, which seems to be a rumor floating around, they're not going to spend a draft pick on one. And that opens up the board for so many other teams, and it shifts around so many different possibilities. So it's going to be very interesting to see where those chips do end up following, falling when it comes to the Andrew Luck quarterback situation. And it's very exciting for me personally. Because it was really sad to see Andrew Luck retire because he he was one of the most talented quarterbacks of my generation. So to see him come out of retirement would be great. And to watch him play and to see him be able to do the things that he's able to do on the football field would be great to see again. Now next, I want to talk about Fred Van Vliet's historic night. Now, if you for those of you who don't know, Fred Van Vliet set a record this offseason for being the highest paid undrafted player in NBA history. Now, about, I think it's like 17 games in or something like that, Fred Van Vliet set yet another record, two records actually. One, for the most points scored by a undrafted player 
with 54, passing Moses Malone, who set the record in February of 1982. And also, he set the franchise record for the most amount of points, passing DeMar DeRozan. So, that is amazing, not just for Fred Van Vliet, because it's showing that he's more and more worth the money that they gave the, gave him. And he's showing that he is one of the better point guards in the league, in conversations for the top 10 best, actually. But something else it really kind of states, and is going to kind of show, is that the talent of these players now is being hard, is becoming harder and harder to judge in college and in modes that aren't the NBA because now if you're like really starting to think about it, you've got players like Nikola Jokic, you've got players like Malcolm Brogdon, you've got players like Fred Van Vliet, like Christian Wood, who are all almost all-star or all-star or top 10 caliber level players. And like right now, Nikola Jokic is a, was a second round pick and he's in conversations for the MVP right now. Like, it's becoming more and more apparent through these undrafted players, through these second round picks, that it's so much harder to judge players now due to all the other outside factors that it's going to start making the draft more and more irrelevant. Now, I'm not going to say the draft is going to be eliminated because I doubt it ever will. And I don't think it's really going to make that big of a change over the next 10, 15, maybe even 20 years. But I think over time, what you'll see is you're going to see more and more of an emphasis on G League, on signing players from the G League and like getting those players to like play on G League rosters and then working their way through up the G League system and then being called up to the NBA rosters. So that way, the NBA teams really get to see what these prospects are made of because then it will be easier to catch players like Nikola Jokic, like Chris Dunn, like Malcolm Brogdon, like Fred Van Vliet. So that way they are all like just so much better at scouting talent because they don't have to just go off college tape and what other people have shown them and what they can get from film and stuff like that because they'll actually be able to see them in game. So I think that you're going to see over time because of this explosion of second round talent and undrafted talent, you're going to see more and more teams start utilizing the G League more as a way to take in players that they don't necessarily have a lot of tape on and see what they're made of and use it that way more than just like, "Uh, these players might be good, but there's no real potential I see in them. Like, you see it every once in a while where that will happen, like that happened with Harry Giles. But most of the time, it's either older players or players who are just kind of like in and out of the league and don't really have that much talent versus players who have just not been really discovered yet or don't really have a lot of potential but haven't seen that potential realized fully. Players like Christian Wood. So I think that you're going to see more of a movement towards there so that the NBA teams can do better scouting. And I think that's going to be really interesting to watch as we move on into future years. Next, just kind of wanted to share this little tidbit because I thought this was actually quite interesting since 
I don't know. I wouldn't really see Tom Brady doing this, but, you know, if you're the GOAT, you got to do certain things to become the GOAT. And one of which is sending his family out of his house for the last 12 days to prepare for the Super Bowl. So just to clarify, it's 12 days before the Super Bowl. So he's going to be alone in the house just so he can prepare for the Super Bowl. He kicked his family out. Giselle, his kids, doesn't matter. He kicked them all out so he can learn, so he can focus on football. And I just thought that was like, that was very interesting to think and see. Because you wouldn't expect someone like Tom Brady to do something like that because he's kind of won it all. But if you really want that, you really have that drive to succeed. I guess you do things like that because that is what makes you succeed. Next, I wanted to talk about the Washington Wizards' puzzling predicament. Now, first, a lot of you, if you haven't been watching a lot of Wizards games or haven't done a lot of research on the Wizards, may be asking yourselves why they're so bad. And that is a really good question to ask. And the answer is actually quite simple, and it comes down to two things. First, Thomas Bryant was injured, I believe it's eight games ago now. And yes, they were real they were still really bad before that. I believe they were two and eight before that specific point where he got injured. But that does not change the fact that losing your starting stinner that has been playing really well for you up until that point is going to be a humongous blow for you and your team moving forward. And especially when your backups are Alex Lynn and Robin Lopez. Like, I personally like Robin Lopez a lot, and I like Alex Lynn, but they're not starting caliber centers. And when you're having to roll one of them out at starting, or you're having to put someone like Davis Bertins at starting center or closeout center, who is a true power forward, really. He's not tall enough or strong enough to really guard centers. And he's not... And he's not, like, really short enough to run the small forward. He really just has to run power forward. He's just a true power forward, in my opinion. So I think that's that's the realm he needs to stay in. And trying to force him to play something different is going to hurt his development. So I think that that's really crucial to keep in mind. And I think the other, the other reason they were so bad was because Russell Westbrook was injured for almost the entire season. Like, he was nowhere near 100% until the Brooklyn game a couple days ago where they beat the Brooklyn Nets in the late-game heroics by their two stars. Now, neither of the top would really matter that much if they were being blown out before the Thomas Bryant injury. But they weren't. They They lost all eight of those games by 10 points or less. If Russell Westbrook's all the way healthy... You're winning at least three of those three of those games, if not more, which would bring you into around a 500 record at the point of which Thomas Bryan had been injured, if not higher. So that's something to keep in mind with the Washington Wizards, and is the re- is pretty much the reason why they were so bad. And I think also the Washington Wizards coach is not the greatest. That's just my personal opinion. But regardless. Now that we know this information and really why they were bad, this kind of leaves the Washington Wizards with three possible routes they could take. The first is 
Just do nothing. Write out the season. Get a top 5 to 10 pick and see if you can't build around your core of Rui Hachimura and Danny. I'm not going to try. I think it's Amadea. I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name, my guy, but it's very hard for me to pronounce, but I'm just going to call him Danny or Denny. My apologies. Denny. So you build around Denny and you build around Rui Hachimura and then whoever that top five, top 10 pick is, and you get them some playoff experience because those three players, plus Russell Westbrook, plus Bradley Beal, will get you into the playoffs for the next couple of years. But then Russell Westbrook will start to decrease, uh, decline very heavily and not become a good NBA player anymore. And then you're kind of just wasting Bradley Beal's prime and not really doing very much. So, and you're not getting very much out of either of them in terms of like long-term value. So that's one, but also with this option, you have to keep in mind, Bradley Beal actually wants to stay in Washington, so you keep everyone happy there as well, and you kind of, this is just kind of the course if you want to just stay par for the course and just see how things work out. This is just your waiting out strategy. Now, the second option they have is they could blow everything up. The Washington Wizards could trade Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. They get for Russell Westbrook. They get probably one or two first-round picks, or a first-round pick with some sort of protection on it, and a good young player that they can use for their core. And then for Bradley Beal, you can get three or four first-round picks and a good young player, or you can get one or two first-round picks and a really good young player like Michael Porter Jr. Now, this upside would be you have a great starting point for your rebuild, and you're actually truly starting to rebuild again, and. But the downside is you guys will be really bad for at least two years, if not more, depending on how good your GM is going to be in drafting and how good your front office and your coaching staff is going to be in development and finding the right talent, so on and so forth. Then the third option, which I find the most intriguing, is that you go all in if you're the Wizards. Now, you may be asking yourself, how do you go all in if you're the Wizards? Well, that's... Quite simple for me, actually. You trade for Carl Anthony Towns. Now, on the surface, this might seem crazy, but the Timberwolves are probably going to look to rebuild pretty soon because this cat, D'Andre Russell experiment, is not really working out very well. And they just got the first overall pick in Anthony Edwards, so they might be looking to build around him. So if you give them... Danny, you give them Roy Hachimura and you give them a first round pick or two, I could see them giving away Cat for that because you get a good young core if you're the Timberwolves and you also get some future assets and you could, be, you could really just let Anthony Edwards develop as the number one option because that's what you want your number one overall pick to do and you would allow uh, Rui Hachimura and Danny more time and development space as well, with no pressure really to win, which would be good for the Timberwolves, and I could see the Timberwolves actually liking this, and you also still have D'Angelo Russell for the time who can provide some sort of consistency. But then on the other side, you now have a Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, Corey Anthony Towns trio, who no one would want to face in the playoffs, because at any given night, that trio could give you 80. 90, even 100. 
because you give me Bradley Beal, who's averaging 30 points a night. You give him 40. You have Cat, who could give you 30 any given night. And you give Russell Westbrook, who could give you 30, 10, and 10 any, any given night. So there's definitely a possibility that that team could defeat any team in the East and make the finals. It's a slim chance, but there's a chance. And they would make some run in the playoffs. But you're not really done there because you kind of still have some assets. You have a couple first-round picks, and you have a, like a second or two, and I feel like for that you could get Tilly Oubre Jr., or if the money works out, I haven't really done much research on this, you could get Wiggins. And not only would you get Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns to reunite, which would already give you some chemistry there if you're able to get Wiggins, but that also gives you some quality wing play you can bounce, you can use, and you can play with. Now, maybe it's not Wiggins, maybe it's not Car- maybe it's not Kelly Oubre, but it's, you need some sort of wing. Maybe you could get like a Harrison Barnes type, or just someone of that realm that's going to give you solid wing play, play and defend. You need like a 3 and D type player like to the extreme. Maybe Robert Covington would be a good idea. But just like a really good defensive wing that can also score the ball is what you really need. And score the ball while not needing the ball in his hands very often. And you're telling me with a lineup like that you roll out with Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, I don't know, we'll, we'll put Andrew Wiggins or Kelly Oubre Jr., Davis Bertans, and Carl Anthony Towns in the game, in that starting five, that starting five can beat anyone. It could beat Brooklyn, it could beat the Los Angeles Lakers, it could beat the Nuggets, any team you put up against it, it can match up defensively, especially with Wiggins, who's been playing great defensively over the past couple of, over this year, and this team could meet up with, like, the Brooklyn Nets, who they could stick, like, Russell Westbrook, who's never been, like, an amazing defender, but who always gives effort on, like, a James Harden. Bradley Beal, who shows that he can be an okay defender when he gives effort. Then you have, like, you could put, uh, what's his face? You could put Wiggins on KD. You put Bertans on whoever, like, Joe Harris. And you put Cat on whoever they're starting at center. And then Cat can eat on whoever they're starting at center, because what? DeAndre Jordan, Jeff Green, Kevin Durant, Cat will eat. And then with a team like the Bucks, you put Wiggins on Giannis. You can put Cat on Giannis. And you could put Bertans on Giannis, although Bertans is not really that great of a defender. But you just have you have bodies you can throw at you have bodies you can throw at the Milwaukee Bucks. And then like the Celtics like, the same thing. You put Russell Westbrook on Jalen Brown. You put uh, Wiggins on Jason Tatum. You stick Cat in the post. And you stick uh, Bradley Beal on Kimba Walker. That's, that's, I take the Wizards there. Because the Wizards, the, not the Wizards, my apologies. The Celtics don't have a center. Like, Cat would eat. He would destroy during, during those series. I think they you really put them against any premier team in the East. They have some sort of advantage there, or at least can meet them stride for stride. And I think that is what you have to consider when you're putting this team together. And I think that's what you're going to have to consider if you go all in. And if they do make the finals, not win the finals, just make the finals. 
they'd be the greatest achievement they've had in over 40 years, which is a dub in my book. If you're able to do that, if you're the Wizards, 100% all in. If I made the finals, if I said, you'll make one finals and two conference championships with that lineup, all in. I trade whatever I needed to trade because that would be the most success the Wizards has had in such a long time and it would give their base something to be happy about. But this really all comes down to what the Wizards front office wants to do because they could make any of these options work, but it's just really what they want to do and what they see with their future is best. And now they don't have a lot of time to choose because Russell Westbrook's trade stock is only declining as he gets older. Bradley Beal's trade stock has never been higher. And if their young players continue on this trajectory, trajectory, my apologies, their trade value is only going to get lower. So they need to make a decision now before the trade deadline on what they want to do. Because I feel like if they figure that out now, then they're going to be able to set themselves up for the future for what they want to do. But they need to decide. Finally, I want to wrap it up with some superlatives, if you will. And these are just the most likely twos. Like, if you remember in school, if you guys are in school, or if you guys were in school, if it was like, most likely to become, I don't know, President of the United States. Most likely to make music. Most likely to become famous. So on and so forth. These are kind of the same thing, except for it's more Super Bowl football related. So we're just going to kind of jump in here. So... I'm going to answer for both teams. So, for the Kansas City Chiefs, who is most likely to wreck the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game plan? And for me, that would be Chris Jones. Because if Chris Jones is able to get pressure on both Tom Brady and help stop the run game, they will be able to hurry Tom Brady, who's not great with pressure in his face, and make the offense who that is not fast at all, like it's very slow developed plays, there's not that many quick hitters in it, have to be quicker, which will throw everything off the rhythm. Next, for the Buccaneers, most likely Buccaneer to wreck the game plan for the Kansas City Chiefs is, in my opinion, going to be Devin White. Because if Devin White can stop the run and is able to help contain Travis Kelsey in the zone they run or in the man they run, then that's going to limit the Chiefs offense so much. And I think that's going to limit the game plan because as of right now, it seems like the game plan for Kansas City throughout the playoffs has been get the ball to Tyreek and get the ball to Kansas to Travis Kelsey. And if they can't do Though one of those two things that's going to make it a lot harder for the Kansas City Chiefs to win. Next, the we're going to do most like most likely defensive player to win MVP for each team. Now, this would have to take dominance from each team, but I think on one side, I think the player who is the most likely to wreck the game plan for the Kansas City Chiefs, as I said, was Devin White. But I don't think he'd necessarily be the most likely one to win MVP. And I think the most likely one would actually be Shaq Barrett. Because 
Shaq Barrett getting three sacks and maybe a forced fumble, if Tom Brady doesn't have the greatest game and none of the other like receivers have an outstanding game, will give him a great chance to win. And I could see that realistically happening if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were dominant, and that's what you really would need for a defensive player to win MVP. Next, on the other side, even though, again, I said Chris Jones would be the most likely to wreck the game plan for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think that the most likely defensive player would be Tyron Matthew because I could see Tyron Matthew picking off one or two passes, getting a tackle for loss and getting a sack. And if you get those three or four things right there, you get a defensive MVP candidate. Finally, what player I think will have the most touchdowns per besides quarterbacks? And I think that for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, that's going to be Leonard Fournette or Rob Gronkowski. And my gut is just telling me Rob Gronkowski. Because I think in third and goal situations, first and goal and second and goal situations, you're going to get a Tom Brady who's going to throw to his most trusted target, and that is Rob Gronkowski. Because Rob Gronkowski and him have been in this situation before. So I definitely could see both of them like connecting and Gronk kind of turning into his old form for one game, like vintage Gronk. You know, in those issue when you watch like old highlights and they're like vintage D Wade, and it was like the final two years of his career, or like vintage Derrick Rose, and he scores 30 points. So, like, I could see a vintage game coming out of Rob Gronkowski. So, and I could see him scoring two three touchdowns in this game. And then on the opposite side, I feel like the most likely, the person who's probably going to have the most touchdowns is Tyreek Hill. Because I think what's going to end up happening is in the red zone, they're going to double whoever, they're going to double Travis Kelsey. And they're going to double Tyreek Hill. And then they're going to realize they can't do that because Nicole Hardman's going to score one or two touchdowns. So in the red zone, they're probably going to take one person off Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill is not as big of a threat in the red zone as Travis Kelsey is because Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the league, without a doubt, and maybe a top-five wide receiver in this league if he switched positions. And definitely the one of, if not the best, red zone threat in the NFL. And Tyreek's speed isn't going to kill you as much in the red zone, but he's still a really good route runner and have has really good hands. So I could see him scoring one or two touchdowns in the red zone and then getting some sort of bomb thrown to him or making some sort of play where he's able to run into the end zone and get two touchdowns. And I think you'll probably see like two touchdowns from him. You'll probably see one or two touchdowns from Sammy Watkins, one or two touchdowns from uh, Nicole Hardman, and then you'll have like one or two touchdowns from... Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and then you'll probably have a, maybe one touchdown from Patrick Mahomes rushing. So I think you'll see like all of those things. So I don't think the I think the wealth is going to be spread out a lot for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I think for that reason, uh, Tyree Kill is going to be able to stick out above the rest of the pack and capture and catch the most amount of touchdowns. That's all I have for you guys. 
this episode. I hope you all enjoyed. If you want to contact me, you can go to my blog, which is linked in the Spotify description of either this podcast or of the homepage. If you're listening to this on YouTube, my blog is both in the description of this video and in the YouTube bio. If you're listening to this on a blog, you know where my contact section is. It's literally at the top. You can go click contact and scroll down and you can use the email on there. You can text me on there. And if you are on the blog, consider subscribing to my YouTube channel and following my Spotify. And if you're on Spotify, consider following my blog and subscribing to my YouTube channel. And if you're on my YouTube, maybe consider subscribing and following my Spotify and maybe subscribing to my blog as well. Who knows? If you like more, that's what I would ex- that's what I'd hope you would do. Also, if you want to hear more about my ideas over this past season and you're on YouTube or you're on Spotify or you're in my blog, you can go to the article section and read the weekly articles I write about various topics, all of which are either sports broadcasting related or NBA or NFL related. That is it, my guys. Thank you, Smash fans, for listening to the end. I hope you all have a great rest of your day. And until next time, PD Smash signing off.